Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing Dave? Yeah, not bad. We realise that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown... We had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about Battle of the Treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of, we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yep. Uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete. Um, gym owner and all around nice guy um, yeah and there's there's so much good information and good content there that and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing so yeah this is a great format you can do it on the go put it in your car listen to it it's a bit interactive so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that yeah it's a bit different um, you know but if you're listening to this obviously yeah um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk Awesome Dave, yeah, enjoy the episode and uh, we'll catch up with you soon Yeah, all the best Anyway, today, so we wanted to kind of kind of switch gears a little bit I know we, we've talked about, you know, New Year's resolutions, challenges and we've talked about other things, equipment we talked about some skills, winter skills which was sort of winter skills weekend this weekend which was absolutely great with loads of Evertrackers up in Scotland but we wanted to kind of switch you back to the altitude side of stuff and especially... You know, around uh, breathing at altitude. You know, people that maybe might have some breathing issues at altitude, and also ways that, um, you know, if 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 it's your first time at altitude, you know, what does it feel like? What can you do to, to help that? And that's where we thought we started today, wasn't it? And yeah, we we, we sort of discussed that and exactly. had lots of questions in around it as well. Yeah, because it's one of those things I think um, that can surprise people when they go to altitude, which is the way that your breathing is affected. Yes, I mean we all know it. You know, when you're walking and you, you head up a set of steps or something like that, and yep. then you start to feel it takes a little bit longer to recover. But sometimes it could be a bit more than that as mm. well, can't it? It can be Absolutely. a little disconcerting. And as we always say, knowledge dispels fear. So we talk about it, learn about it, and you can expect it. Then when it does happen, it's not so frightening and it doesn't startle you and you're not concerned about it. You can just manage it. Exactly, because it's it, there's nothing worse than you know you, you get to altitude or even even in the UK or you know wherever you're watching this from, um, if you're out and about hiking and um, Dave, I, I'm trying to get my questions up, but I opened uh, open Facebook. Yeah, by accident, <laughs> it was the last thing that um, I opened. And anyway, we never let professionalism get in the way of a good show, do we? I know, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we always like to have a bit of fun. Um, Sorry, I was wondering where I was going. Yeah, when you're out in the UK, that's right, and, and and you're doing hiking, anything at all. Like even the weekend we were on, you know, it was quite cold air, um, you know, and, and it's proven that cold air can restrict, um, you know, your lungs in terms of the way you breathe. So you know, you've got to go a little bit uh, slower. I learned that in the cold water dip, when it shocks you. Yeah. yeah. When I get in the water, the everyone's like, calm down, breathe, and I'm like, I can't. It was horrible. I was just reading one of these then. I, I, there's another question that came in, but I'll, uh, we'll, we'll come into that in a bit. It was just a really interesting question nice. that popped in. And Jody, who's on the comments, uh, dropped it in. Yeah, we've got quite a, quite a lot of questions, actually. But, yeah, going back to, um, as Dave said there, you know, cold uh, you know, can constrict the body, cold water more so. But certainly, I mean, any asthmatics out there, anyone that, um, 
you know, suffers with any um, kind of chronic or any form of uh, lung issue, especially post-COVID. I think we've got a lot of people now who are in the mountains, you know, doing the same that they did pre-COVID, but their bodies might be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, I was chatting with Steve, uh, who, who was guiding us and the instructor on the weekend, and we were talking about, you know, he's had a lot of clients, um, you know, that have, you know, obviously long COVID, but it could be just the after effects of COVID that, you know, really we don't know a lot of yet because it, it hasn't been that long time. There's not a lot of testing that's been going yeah. on. So, you know, the, the way to go about it, I suppose, is that if your body is reacting differently whilst doing the same stuff, then, you know, just take it easy a little bit, um, you know, because your body is still adjusting, um, especially from your, uh, you know, your respiratory side of things. Mm -hmm. It could take a little bit more time for you to recover. Um, <clears throat> we've certainly noticed certain things, you know, we've had COVID a few times, um, you know, over the last couple of years. Yeah. And although we want to leave that kind of word behind, it can still have uh, effects on us, especially your altitude, because some people who've been to altitude before COVID and then are now going back to altitude, you know, is it going to be different? You know, those questions are going to throw up some things. Or what can we do just to kind of, again, go back to the basics and, 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 and do the things that you used to do, just maybe not, you know, not, not push your body to, yeah. to its limits as much. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, hundred percent. I mean, COVID's a funny one. Yeah. I've definitely had it twice now. I suspect a third time as well, but you probably have. I don't know. But anyway, it took me a long time to actually recover from it properly. Yeah. yeah. I found that um, it wasn't just a case of, you know, a couple of weeks after I've tested positive that I was okay again. Mm. It took months to kind of build it back up and readjust. I think what worked for me, and I don't know the official advice, is I found like just going back to exercise going back to trekking and kind of just getting back to my routine as quickly as possible really yeah. helped. But then maybe I didn't have the long COVID issues, you know, so maybe people can do that. So it is an interesting thing. I'll be really fascinated to see what people know about it in 10, 20 years time. So I just read in Bry. Always Bry, the humor as always, mate. Love it. My body doesn't react the same when I run anymore. That's not enough to do with COVID. It's because I'm getting too old. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, some good questions as well. And I don't want to kind of jump the gun with certain questions because we've had a lot before. I think anytime we talk about lungs and breathing and altitude, you know, there's always some popular mm -hmm. questions and rightly so we want to get comfortable with it. Right. Before you go to altitude, you know, I remember the first time I went to altitude, there was a, that anxiety of, oh, you know, am I going to be all right? Um, like I'm a, an asthmatic um, and it's kind of got worse over the years and I'm, I'm managing it. Um, it doesn't kind of stop me touch wood uh, from doing anything. And I think Matt's uh, charity want to do the trek so bad, but worried about asthma up in thin air. And, you know, Honestly, Matt, it was a big, big thing of mine. I was on a beach in Thailand, what was it, probably 2009, reading Into Thin Air by John Krakow, which talks about the 1996 uh, Everest disaster. I couldn't think of a much juxtaposition, <laughs> by the way. I know, it, 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 it is, yeah. Reading something that, uh, when you're reading it, you, you're feeling freezing cold, but it's still 35 degrees in Thailand. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the inspiration, really, for me wanting to go to altitude was that. Like, how, how will my body fare? Will I be okay? You know, will I be able to go to somewhere like Everest Base Camp? And I think obviously, you know, fast forward, obviously like 13, 14 years now, and knowing the kind of what my body is can do and what asthmatics can do and what people who, and I'm not saying do this, but actually um, we've heard that um, a lot of smokers um, actually do pretty well at altitude. And I think there's some science behind that if you're used to a, a low oxygen environment already because mm. your lungs aren't as good, um, apparently, that's really good when so you're at altitude. part of your training, take up 20 a day. <laughs> well, I'm not saying start it, but if your body is, is essentially adjusted to normal life yeah. over a long period of time. But no, no, no. Um, smoking aside, obviously, we don't want to get you know, to do that. But 
there is science around it that um, you know, especially with asthmatics and the science of asthmatics, they actually tend to do well at altitude. Well, look at Mons Jensen. Um, yeah. If any of you want to look up him, yeah. um, I think he was Swedish or Danish. Anyway, Scandinavian. Scandinavian. And um, he summited Everest. He attempted yeah. to do it several times without oxygen, but couldn't quite get there. Yeah. But um, but he's definitely summited now, I think once or twice. And he's a triathlete, mega yeah. fit guy. I think with anything like that, you've learned about just managing it, you know, and, and making sure that you have what you need when you go to those mountains. Same as at sea level. You manage it the same way. Um, you know, we go back to cold and, and, and there's certain triggers with asthma. It's dust. It could be um, allergies, you know, things like that, or the cold weather. Exercise induced is, is quite quite a lot with some people. But if you manage it the same way you do at altitude. Yeah. Uh, I, altitude, sea level. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The same way you do it at altitude is when, you, when you're training for sea level. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but I, uh, Imagine it worked like that. Right? It's funny, though. Um, I'm very lucky that I've never had asthma. Yeah. I thought I had it one time, but it turned out I was just unfit. But... Um, <laughs> but, wow. but But I know my mum has it. I know you have it. And it's one of those where you do feel like I, I, like, I always think like when you're ever trekking with anyone, as long as they got their inhaler or whatever medication they need, there's no yeah. reason why they can't just go and do what everyone else does. Like you've been, you've never had really any issues at altitude. No. And I find that strange though. Because, like, <laughs> I know, it's weird, isn't it? Because, I could just be lucky, right? Because <laughs> like I've noticed with you, if you get a cold, mm. it goes straight to your chest. Yeah, it? yeah, that's, yeah, it's frustrating. Though. But yeah, when you're at altitude... It never, yeah. It's fine. You know? I think also as well, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, luck does come into it that maybe your physiology can just be suited to altitude. Um, you know, genetics potentially. Um, although genetically, uh, I did something last year and proved that I'm 99.8% from the UK. So, yeah, I was definitely <laughs> going back. Um, yeah. Although 0.2%. Yeah. Gujarati in India, apparently. My. Really? I know. Crazy, huh? I wonder where that came from. Mad, eh? Any of your relatives, like, no. serve in India or anything like that? Maybe. Like, you know, you're talking hundreds of years ago. Yeah. But, it, you know, so definitely with me, but genetically, I, I, you know, I don't think many of my ancestors lived a high altitude. But anyway... You do love Indian food, though. I do. Maybe, maybe, that's maybe, maybe that's where it's, it's, it's there. It comes from there. Maybe that's what it is. I need to do one of those. I'd love <laughs> to find out where <laughs> it's from. 99.8% Yeti, surely. Chris... Exactly, we're all yetis from the UK, right? In, in exactly. some form, <laughs> especially with the old facial hair. Um, I'll tell you what, one thing on. I was going to talk to you about, okay, which is yeah, yeah. when you get used to trekking with Andy, there's a certain sound, right? When he's like in front of you or behind you, <laughs> okay, where it's a oh, with the breathing style, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. And I've noticed people that aren't used to it. Because you think you're struggling, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll start like, and it, it happens like as soon as we start, and it's yeah. like all day. And I've, I actually remember one time when me and you climbed Snowdon with Steve, mm. who you just spent a weekend on, yeah. and he turned and went, "You're right," and you were, like, you were like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And I was like, <laughs> "You just got to let it." Happen. That's just the way he behaves. Yeah, what, yeah, what's yeah. the, what's your what's the process behind, behind that? Like, why do you do that? I think essentially, almost trial by error. When I went to Everest Base Camp the first time. I wanted to get as much oxygen in as quickly as I could. Yeah. And the best way was doing that. <laughs> Darth Vader breathing starts. Probably not too far from the truth. It's not bad. Is that you kind of like, <sighs> you're trying to get the, you know, the carbon dioxide out of your body, um, you know, and it's excess carbon dioxide in your body that triggers the breathing reflex. Now, I wasn't actually thinking about this at the time. All I was thinking is that I'll br breathe more when I'm at altitude. Surely yeah. that'll help. But then after doing the research, speaking to the guys at the altitude center, 
And I think someone mentioned, I think it was Andrew there about Wim Hof. It's, it's similar breathing techniques. You know, I've been doing it for, for quite a long time. And it basically gets more oxygen in my body. It means that on an, when, you, when you're on a, a climb, and I'm constantly doing that, when I get to the top, I can talk. Yeah. I haven't got to catch my breath. You know, rarely, you know, if I'm in a good physical state. And I think that's why, yeah, I, I, I've kind of continued that habit, knowing that the first time I went to base camp, I was fine. Yeah. And, you know, I was good, well hydrated. And then, you know, after re doing, doing some research on it and doing that type of breathing, it does help. Yeah. Just because you're getting more oxygen into the body. Because in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'm going to an environment that's, okay, uh, oxygen deprived, right? There's, there's less here, especially at base camp, it's 50% less than sea level. So I was thinking, well, I just need to breathe more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or breathe, or try and get more in. So, and that's where it came from. And, you know, whether that's helped me. You know, because of my asthma and all that, who knows? But I think anyone out there that you know hasn't got hasn't been to altitude before, I know there's a lot of evertrackers who have on here. Um, you know, and I'll know the feeling. But essentially, you you breathe the same way. It's just that when you exert yourself, you do breathe more. Yeah, I mean, you could be sat, um, yeah. you know, at base camp or on top of Kalapata, and we could have a conversation like yeah. this. It doesn't feel different. No, the difference is how your body reacts to that yeah. lack of oxygen. So. The way I felt, the first time I ever felt altitude, um, I'd got to Namshi, hadn't felt it all the way up, yeah. hadn't noticed any shortness of breath, but me and my, my friend Billy, like we were on the bottom floor, was where we were sleeping, yeah. and the food was too up. So Billy went up there, and I was like, oh, I'll catch you up, I'll catch you up, and then I just ran up the two steps of stairs, wow. which I know I would be able to do relatively easily. And when I got on the top, I was like, whoa, I was like stars in my eyes, I was like, I was like, yeah, Whew, I felt a bit like I was like, wow. And I, I, I remember running into Billy like a kid, like I felt altitude. I felt altitude. And he was like, yeah, great, mate. And I was like, well, it's great for me because it was like, yeah. I'd always wanted to know how it felt all my life. I've been reading books about altitude and Everest and expeditions. And it kind of felt, I don't know, it was the first moment, even though it was only Namshi, where I yeah. felt like I'm in that arena. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and ever since <clears> I go back, I always think like, I wonder where I'm going to have that feeling for the first time. Will it be, <laughs> will it be below Namshi? Will it be higher than Namshi? And for me, it's always usually the same. It's, I start yeah. to notice it at Namshi. Not so much that, you know, it affects me, but, you yeah. know, if you're walking up there, up and down those steps in Namshi, you can easily get a bit tired. I think any time, yeah, you go to like 2,500 metres, you know, if, if any of you are into skiing, you go to the Alps or, um, you know, anything over 2,000 metres, you know, you only got to exert yourself to be like... Oh, geez, you know, like um, we were in Andorra a uh, week before last. Unbelievable. And um, the lift was broke. We were on the sixth floor of this apartment. The lift was broke, so you got to carry all your gear up there. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're, we're pretty fit, but even six floors every day with all your gear, ski at boots, two thousand two hundred meters is it's hard work. Uh, you can feel your heart got to go in. You know, but we did like, it. We do it up and down. Yeah. You go down to go skiing. Up when you're done. Down <laughs> to go out. Up when you get back. Four times a day. Man, that was hardcore. Just got to, the way it changes how you approach certain things. You're right. If it can take everything with you and it minimizes the time I've got to climb those stairs, that's where it came to in the end. Yeah, well, I remember you were like, right, okay. I was like, I'm going shopping. And you're like, yeah, I I'll, <laughs> I'm going to wait for you to come back because I ain't going back down those stairs yeah. again. But um, yeah, it was really, it was big. One thing I'm going to mention as well, because yeah, yeah, my dad on. had this. I think John, the great bald yeti, may have had this as well. Yeah, yeah. Is something called periodic breathing which i had to look up after my yeah, first time yeah. at altitude and i guarantee you there are people who are listening now that can comment and say they've had this yeah and you usually get it from about three thousand meters and above 
Um, periodic breathing normally takes place when you're um, asleep or just about to fall asleep. Yeah. And it's uh, characterized by a few deep breaths followed by like shallow breathing. Yeah, yeah. And then this panicked, <gasps> and you sort of like, you, so it's you, like sort, you don't really yeah. notice the deep breathing or the shallow breathing. <coughs> it's me. not as subtle as like, <sighs> like that. Yeah, it's yeah. more that you'll be taking deeper breaths and then shallower breaths. Yeah. And with each shallow breath, you're getting a little bit less oxygen out of the already oxygen starved environment. And you'll go, <coughs> <coughs> and you'll wake up. And it can be, I, I'd be honest with you, I actually choked a little bit then. <laughs> Honestly, man, it's going to be a golden globe with it. Yeah, honest, exactly. Right? Yeah. And uh, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. So if any, any yeah. you know, film people need to need periodic breathing on camera, let me know. But um, but yeah, and it can be quite frightening when you wake up because yeah. it can take two, three, four, five breaths before you start to feel like you've calming down and you're getting the oxygen. Yeah. It's quite a primordial fear, you know. You're not able to sort of complete that basic function. Um, it's kind of like sleep apnea in a way. It um, is. The same process is, is essentially happening yeah. because your body is going... I need more oxygen. Yeah. Get it for me. And then that's where it, then it's kind of like, quick, get it for me, please. You see yeah. that lizard part of that lizard brain. Yeah. The one that's protecting you uh, is going breathe. So it forces exactly. you to do that. But it, if, if you're not used to it, it can be quite scary. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know a lot of Evertrackers that have, have, have suffered with this on Basecamp. My Kitty, dad. And, yeah, your dad. And, and we were talking about it over breakfast in the morning, over a coffee. And we're like, oh, yeah, did, did you have that, guys? And we're like, um, and it's not until you realize actually a lot of people do go through that. Um, there is, it is part of the process, and any time you're on a mountain or at high altitude, it is, not everyone, you know, some people are lucky, I've rarely had that happen to me, but I have felt it from time to time, um, especially, you know, above 5,000 meters, and it's part of the process, try not to let it scare you, um, you know, your, your body was waking you up to breathe, um, and it, you know, just, just try and reassure, reassure yourself that it, it is part of that process of your body acclimatizing. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the the harder ones to ignore because it you know it can be quite scary, um, you know. But it's not as easy kind of to deal with as okay, I've got a headache or um, you know I'm being sick or you know I don't feel hungry. The other symptoms that are happening that you can kind of address. Um, yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Because you can't really get you know you, you need you need to sleep. And a lot of people actually do say that sometimes, and not everyone sleeps well at altitude. You know, we know people no. that haven't slept for days and days and. It's hard. It, yeah. That's what makes part of the challenge. But they get to base camp or they get to the summit of Killy, and they were like, "That was the hardest thing I've ever done." And sometimes, you know, that does happen, and we've 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 kind of got to get comfortable with that. But yeah. hopefully, it's not. But if things like that do happen, just just know that that is part of of, of what it's like. Hundred percent. Sometimes. I mean, and it's a little bit scary at altitude because when you when you yeah. have that type of stuff in sea level, and you kind of jolt awake. You're at sea level when you're breathing. Yes. So you can yeah. regain your breath quite quickly, and it's like an in, in an instant it's over. Yeah. Where when it happens at altitude, it can go on for a few seconds, and they're hot seconds when you you know you feel like you can't breathe. I usually find that if that starts happening, and touch wood, it's never happened to me, but I've been on enough trips to and known enough people who are close to me who have had yeah. it that it's a good sign that you should perhaps switch to Diamox. Um, Diamox is not only an aid to stop altitude sickness, but also mm. a lot of the other things that can affect you at altitude. Yeah. Like one of them is those breathing. Um, one of them is sleep disturbances. You know, you'll, yeah. you'll, you know, the other one is appetite. Diamox is a real big thing to help with that. The other two things, which are really good, and it's the okay. same for sleep apnea at sea level, yeah. is to do with fitness and body weight. Mm. You know, um, and trust me, I know if you're a little bit overweight, yeah. I snore more, right? You know, definitely. You know, I, I can vouch for you that. You can yeah, vouch yeah. for that. Yeah. I can vouch for that. And um, when I'm when I'm at my when 
I, I, I'm happy to admit, I'm a yo-yoer, always have been, you know. I'm always pretty, I can always get to the summit, but sometimes I get to the summit, you know, feeling pretty good. Sometimes I get that feeling like I could have done without a few pounds. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, that it really does make a difference with how well you do. The other big one is fitness as well, mm. which is why I'll always put in some training before I go on any trip. The reason is because cardiovascular fitness in particular yeah. and having good, strong muscles that, you know, have a lot of endurance your body is far more efficient at sending blood and oxygen around yes, your body. Definitely. It needs less to do more when you're fit. So if you start to get, you know, towards, you know, you know, quite unfit, the, that's <clears throat> the more that you'll exert yourself, the more your body will demand oxygen. Yep. The higher you go, there's less there. So you start to have this kind of like snowball effect where, you know, you, even though you're kind of resting at night, you wake up and you don't feel as recovered. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying you have to be super fit, not saying you have to be a marathon runner, but I just think putting in some training at sea level um, to kind of get yourself just a couple of degrees fitter than you were um, will make a vast difference when you're at altitude. Yeah, and uh, Mario's asked there, Mario Gold, you know, as a trainer, I can do sea level that prepares me for the altitude. Good question, Mario. And um, yeah, welcome to Tuesday Tune In. Not sure if you've been before. Is this your first one? Um, always good to see if there's any uh, new Tuesday tuners. He might have been a watcher, but I think I'd remember Mario Gold. If he, well, this uh, is it. I, I, if it's a great name. If he'd, yeah. have, if, he'd, if he'd have been there before. But anyway, welcome, Mario. Yeah, and uh, any training you could do at sea level. And as Dave said there, um, any training that you do, you know, get out, pack on your back, you know, maybe a bit heavier than normal. Um, you know, try and do some, you know, two, three, four hikes a month if you can. Obviously, depending on life, depending on work, you know, your, um, you know, your, what your diary's looking at. But if you can get out, do some walking because that's what you're going to do. You know, a majority of your altitude, obviously, if you are doing any technical stuff, you want to get that as well. Similar to like this weekend, just got it in the Cairngorms. We did a lot of winter skills stuff. So if you climb an island peak, um, you know, you go into like uh, Chimborazo in Ecuador, you know, one of our trips, things like that. Um, <clears throat> there are, you know, get out there and, and do as much as you can. Obviously, don't want to burn out. So taper that training off before you start the, the, the trip. But it can prepare you for the altitude, but it's not really, you can't like pre-acclimatize in that way. That's really just about getting your body in the, in the best physical shape possible. And then all the acclimatization is done on trip. Um, now obviously there, there are ways that you can speed that up through um, altitude tents, uh, you know, things like that, that you can, you can what they call hypoxic training. Um, our partners at the Altitude Center have got a lot of tech regarding that. Um, and obviously if you book with us, do go into the membership area, you will be able to see one of their forms, you can uh, basically fill that in. They'll send you um, uh, basically a little bit of a training plan for you uh, in time for your trip. And some of that might involve some of their pre-acclimatization, which, you know, they're scientifically proven uh, that does help. But, you know, with all the, the thousands of ever trekkers that we've had at high altitude, the tried and tested, going slow, drinking plenty of water, keeping hydrated, listening to your guide, the advice, trying to enjoy it. And, you know, basically keeping that, kind of really strong mindset that you're going to succeed will help you or altitude. Um, you know, but like I said, the, your, your answer there to my answer to question one, definitely just get out there and do what you can get out in the mountains. If there's no mountains around you, get to the gym, stairmaster, weighted pack on the treadmill, steep up the incline, uh, you know, leg exercises like Dave in the gym last night, doing a leg press, build up strength in your legs and it will, it will pay dividends or altitude. hundred percent. And, um, yeah, just being as fit as you can be, I think makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, any time I've gone and done anything and I've been fitter than usual, I always think that, wow, i got to keep this up. Yeah. Never do. Yeah. But, I, love, um, I love what Mark put there. I was ready to stab my tent. Yeah. Uh, Island Peak Base Camp because he started Diamox and he was sleeping, snoring, grand. Mark, 
You're not the only earplugs, one. my friend. <laughs> earplugs. earplugs, yeah. Very good, expensive, noise cancelling earplugs. Um, I know we've covered a lot, but there have been a lot of questions coming. Should we dive in? Should we, should we start tackling some? Because otherwise, I know we got like 35 minutes there, but no worries. Just to crack on through them. Obviously, any questions, guys, do post them here. That uh, me and Dave try and answer them before the end of the live. Awesome. So, um, yeah. um, Chris Collins, how's it going, Chris Boy? Hey, Chris. Um, uh, you're preparing your kit for EBC trip in May, which yeah. has been delayed for three years due to COVID. Long time. Feels like a long time. <laughs> your question well, is about Chris. pants, uh, the over ones, not the under ones. So, I think an American pants here, I think, is what we're going with. Is he going for the American? Uh, any recommendations oh, okay. that don't break the bank? <laughs> also, how much uh, of my kit should I try to buy while over there? Good question. Um, since it is supposed to be cheaper, and any yeah. suggestions as to where? Thanks, much love, Chris. So, Chris, with regards to pants, like the American pants, um, is that American pants? That's the, the best I could do. Okay. Such short notice. Well, we'll, we'll give you a. You yeah, know. I'm a method actor, mate. I need weeks to prepare. Passing for grade on that. Yeah. 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 Um, honestly, I don't think you have to break the bank on yeah. these types of things for doing um, EBC. Generally speaking, I'll bring about two, maybe three pairs. Yeah. Um, and I'll, the ones that I normally go to, uh, uh, I'll get like Crag Hoppers, the Kiwi Stretch Pro, yep. or the Montane Terra Stretch Pants. You can notice yeah, the theme here, I like the stretch. Um, it's also North Face do some pretty good, decent ones. I'm generally looking at around between 50 and 70 pounds for some yeah. trousers. Um, you know, just to put that into context for Paramo or some high-end RAB stuff, you can spend over 200. Yeah. Um, I'd probably suggest at least one of those pairs that you bring are like a, a warmer, wintry kind of pair. I'm thinking for Calipatar. Yeah. Um, and then also <clears throat> some over trousers that are like waterproof. Um, honestly, I don't buy any of my main kit over there. I always yeah. get 99% of all my kit, all the important stuff back home. Um, if I am going to buy something when I'm over there, it'll be like, if I see a cool t-shirt, I might buy a water yeah. bottle if I've forgotten mine. Maybe some trekking poles if you don't want to carry them everywhere in your bag, that type of thing. But when it comes to, um, you know, like proper base layers, fleeces, jackets, trousers, I'd get it all in the uh, at home. Definitely. Um, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to get it over there, even though there is yeah. hundreds and thousands of shops. It's a lot of them tend to sell the, the same thing over and over again. Um, and then there are some other shops like North Face, Mountain Equipment that are in Kathmandu, but you'll pay the same price. Yeah, and uh, certainly Dave's right there. With, with majority, you know, 80, 90% of your gear you want to have before just to get used to using it. But yeah, you, you know, in, in full transparency, you could probably turn up with nothing. And we've known people who come with hardly anything and get it all there. Obviously, you know, not the, the, the best quality. Um, some of it is, is questionable, but it, 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 it can get you through the trek. Because mm -hmm. um, we appreciate that, you know, there's equipment, you know, and if you haven't got much equipment, it can be quite expensive to buy it all in preparation. Um, you know, but if you have got a bit of time, look out for the deals on, on the way. You don't have to get the best of everything. Um, there are a few things that we'd say we, we probably wouldn't go cheap on, and that would be your boots, because you need to look after your feet. A decent down jacket, although uh, if you come into Nepal, obviously you can use ours. Um, use Never Trek one. A decent bag, um, you know, and, and, and potentially a good kind of waterproof jacket. I mean, everything else really, you know, mid layers, base layers, socks underpants trousers trekking poles you know you can you can get out there but you really want to try and use it before you go just so you get used to um you know especially i was reminded on the weekend that obviously layering and, and tackling different you know weather conditions is individual it's not you know like dave runs hotter than me when we're trekking so he doesn't really wear much wears maybe a t-shirt 
I've noticed other people will hike with a t-shirt and a jumper and a jacket mm -hmm. when they're physically on the move. You wouldn't do that. You'd, you'd sweat too much. Really, so, really. You know, finding out what works for you is by having all the equipment, putting it in your bag, and then finding out that you know, finding out yourself how you how you go in you know here in the UK or whatever you are, um, and then that that'll put you in good stead for when you're out there. Then you haven't got to kind of create that. You know what works for you because you're, you're doing the same. If you've got all the gear that you use here uh, for hiking, for trekking, um, you know, in in the UK weather, which is all season. Um, you'll be fine for, for that equipment for Everest Base Camp. Yep. Um, nice. Good question this week, though, as well. Um, may as well talk about this one. It's quite a, quite a big one, this one, but mm -hmm. um, Richard, Richard Wathwell. Hello, I know that Evertrek takes safety very seriously and the overall well-being of your trekking customers. Damn right. Uh, read the sad news about the, the other day, mountaineer and father of two um, who passed away altitude on the Everest track. Um, Please can tell me what measures Evertrek takes up in the uh, in the mountains and the blood oxygen levels, etc. I say quite a long question here, but I uh, please do expand on the above. Thanks in advance, Rick. Um, you know this happened when you, you were at, you met this guy, right? And he was on yeah the trek in October 2019. Yeah, October 2019. A few years ago, it happened. So right? you you kind of he's a he was a Welsh guy. Yeah, um, I think he's from Cardiff. Yeah, but, um, literally just just outside. Yeah, and uh, I arrived at Dingboche. And then he was already on his second day in Dingbotchay. Yeah, and then I saw he had like I think he had a Welsh top or a Welsh hat on something anyway. And I was like, yeah. hey, Welsh me, you know, just brief exchange, you know. And then he he went on to Lobouche. Um, and then the next day, then um, our guy told us that oh, you're from Wales, or sadly a, a guy passed away. Yeah. So it was it's horrible. Um, I don't know enough. No one really knows enough other than people yeah. investigating about what happened. One thing I've read pretty consistently is that he had um, a blood oxygen level of around 60. And I can oh. confidently say that if anyone gets a reading of 60 on our trips, then unfortunately their life and their well-being comes first and th they go down straight away. Yeah. Um, so we do take our guys are highly experienced. Many of them have summited Everest. Many yeah. of them are from the high regions of the Himalaya. So they know how to survive and thrive up there. Yeah. Um, and it's you know they do take the readings on the on the on the finger, but that's just one reading. It's a good indication of how someone is, but it's not not always right. It's not yeah, it's not always yeah. entirely accurate, and it's not it doesn't always tell the full story. So our guys are going for a lot of things. So yeah, appetite, how much yeah. water you've drank, what your pace is like, um, how tired and exhausted you are, whether that person's really sleepy, whether they feel sick, whether they have a headache, where that headache is in their brain, you know, is it in the back, the front, the sides, behind the eyes. And they're able to piece together a, a good story about how yeah. to treat that. We are very conscious of getting that type of thing caught early because it doesn't necessarily mean the end of the trip. We can get them on Diamox, get them hydrated. Yeah. And normally people can bounce back and complete the trip. I don't know what happened with this poor fella. Um, you know, I really do feel for his family and stuff because he was, he was out there raising for a good cause. Yeah. But I know he had a blood oxygen level of 60 when he went to bed at Low Boucher, which is, what, 4,900 meters. Yeah. And I just think, I, I don't know the circumstances, but I know if he would, I, I would be thinking it's it's time to get down. Yeah, but then, you know, it's, yeah. if it's at night, you can't always get helicopters at night. So yeah. you have to wait till the next morning anyway. So I don't know. But all I can tell you is that, yeah, someone has an oxygen level like that, it's yeah. time to evacuate. It's time to get you down to safety um, yeah. and, and get you healthy. Um, and we take into account all of those things, like like I said. 
Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because we're, we're obviously trying to be subjective here, not not you know downplay or anything. You know, is is very sad, and uh, obviously wasn't an ever tracker. Um, you know, we would love to have him with us, but it, um, you can get unlucky at altitude. That can happen. I think any time you go in the mountains, these things can happen. Um, I think he's very very unlucky. Also, as well, you know, I mean, this isn't to say that the company didn't do this, but you know, there are things. That it does. It doesn't just. It's not a flip of a switch. There would have been things um, happening in the build-up to that that maybe could have been avoided. But again, you know, with you know, we, we don't know enough information to say about all that. But it, it is hard. And you know, in terms of what we do, because um, we can control that, is that you know, we like Dave said, we do a lot of things, and the guys know how to manage people at altitude. You know, um, we've had to turn people around against their will because you know, at the end of the day, if there's things happening to your body. Life's more important than, than getting to, to the base camp or getting to the summit of Achilles. You know, you can come back and do it again. You know, I've 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 been in tears myself trying to talk to someone and having to turn them around. And it was very, very hard because, you know, the build-up to it, but life is more important. Um, you know, if there's certain signs that are, that are happening and certain symptoms, we want to get you down. Like, we're talking about um, Jen, um, obviously uh, one of uh, an track and my wife as well. And I thought you were going to say one of my um, wives. <laughs> one of my wives. <laughs> I haven't got that many, uh, but um, yeah, she did TubeCal in uh, December and, and got suspected hape. And, you know, there, there's lessons we can learn from that and, and, and from, you know, her having those issues and her lungs were really bad. And, you know, it's a good job she wasn't at altitude for that long. But, you know, in terms of getting people down, you, you, you have to. And uh, like, you know, Jen couldn't go and do the summit because she couldn't, you know, and, and obviously conversations with a guide meant she had to stay, um, you know, at the refuge. And it's hard to kind of do that because after all the preparation, everything, it's all the build-up. It's hard, but no, it was more important. It was a real. That, that was a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I, I. It's very. Un, it's unusual to have hate at that altitude, you know, at yeah. the refuge. But I, I, I'm as near as certain as I've ever been that it was that. But I remember that day. You know, it was horrible because you kind of know the day before that this is not going to be straightforward. Yeah. But you also don't want to write people off because I've seen people, you know, start Diamox or whatever, and the next yeah. day they have a good night's sleep. And it turns out they were just a bit tired the day before, and they, or they had a headache. It yeah. happens. The pressure difference can affect you. But the next day, I remember when we set off, Jen had that where even on the flat, just as soon as you take a step, just immediately out of breath. Yeah, that's and, something going on there, wasn't and, it? And uh, she made it, absolutely made the right. And to, 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 I know. You know, turning yeah. around on those things exactly. is, yeah, is yeah. a real is a real struggle. But Mentally, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, that guy, his family, and everything mm. is 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 doing okay. I think, um, yeah, it's a it's always a tricky one. And I think Andy made a, made a good point there, which is you can be unlucky. Yeah, you know, it certainly is true that the fitter you are, the healthier you are, the slower you go, the more you drink, the less likely it is that you're going to have altitude sickness. Yeah. However, you could be all those things, and you can still get sick. Yeah, from altitude, or you can still get run down, yeah. or you know suffer some negative consequences of being that high, and it's it's, it's, it's part of yeah. the reason. Honestly, it's part of the reason why we go. Altitude it, is what makes it a challenge. Exactly, and it, it is. It is. You know, there's an element of danger. You know, um, trekking altitude can be dangerous. Um, you know, and we've we've had customers who have suffered, and we have to get them out there. And yeah, it's. it's I think you've got to be comfortable with that because. What you don't want is to go there and be surprised by that. You, you you think, you know, it is, there's ways to manage it and it is a safe environment. You know, I've taken family there myself. You know, I'm very comfortable taking people to altitude. 
and a lot of our you know thousands of our trekkers have had an awesome time but you know you have to you go into an oxygen oxygen deprived environment it can be dangerous yeah. um you know but as long as you're comfortable with that um you know you, you do the right things and you 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 you, know, you would go out there to achieve something um yeah that's all you can do i think yeah uh, but no it, it's a good question and you know we yeah we wanted to i hope we tackle it the right way we did we, again we didn't want to come across uh, um that we're kind of slating any other company or anything and you know because we just don't know the full facts and no you know it's very 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 unlucky but you know sometimes those kind of things can also happen at sea level you know yeah i mean it can they which which they can i mean it it, it is sad when anyone sort of mm. goes and does you know the trip of a lifetime and jesus loses their life in the process that's horrendous you know yeah um, but we don't we don't know what happened beyond some of the things you'll read in the news and i think most people know that you know, shouldn't believe everything you read in the news, you know, so hopefully the, you know, maybe the full facts will come out, maybe they won't. Yeah, um, I think that's why it's there now, because I think there's obviously some follow-up to it. Yeah, it. and I just think one of the biggest things yeah. that we can say, and it was funny, I was reading an article the other day, and I think it was about climbing the Matterhorn, and it was one of those, like, online, you know, people do, like, online, like, seminars and things mm. like that, and it was about this woman who uh, guides the Matterhorn, I really should have remembered her name, but anyway, and she was saying about, um, you know, like the mindset and stuff like that, that it takes to actually climb at that altitude and stuff like that. Yeah. And one of the things I've always, it's a delicate balance because we do are strong believers in a strong <clears throat> mindset, a strong will to complete the challenge, but also you've got to balance that with the reality of if you're not well, you've got to be a strong enough person to be able to turn around. Yeah. You know, you've got to be able to accept it when you've reached your summit, your limit. Exactly. And that's what she says about climbing the Matterhorn. She was like, you know, there's no, there's, you can't really, you can't do all challenges by yeah. just being not a queer. Certain times the mountain gods just say no. Even, even, you know, Serrano finds and, oh, Jesus. I don't know why I put that up so far, but I'll leave it there. Jerome, we'll come on to your question in a second. Um, but yeah, there, sometimes, you know, even Bear grills, even, the best kind of your, your heroes they all have to turn around at some point everyone does even one of our heroes right here has to turn around you know i did yeah, and it was on 10 film. minutes 10 minutes into a you know i had an asthma attack 10 minutes into a a hike was it back in november it was back in weekends literally it was about 10 minutes in but you know these things can happen to anyone it does yeah. um was yours caught on camera and filmed no. for a film no luckily yeah, no. <laughs> that can happen um, at any moment. Right. So, is there a connection of age to altitude issues, Jerome? Um, no, not at all. Um, there's no science around that, um, from what we've seen. We spoke, asked this uh, specific question actually, the altitude center. But um, when it comes to age, age is not a gauge for anything at altitude, because it's really a leveler, a leveler from fitness and a leveler from age. The only thing that would be affected is that your recovery. Uh, you know, as you as you do get older, your body takes longer to recover each day, um, and you know, so you know, the the aching muscles can can probably come into it. Um, but from when it comes to to oxygen and and how that processes, unless you've got any medical issues, it it doesn't affect it. You know, we've had people in their mid seventies do get to Everest Base Camp, mm -hmm. um, you know, just as well as someone in their twenties. Um, to be honest, the 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 kind of just from our experience. Someone in their, say, 50s or 60s who've got quite a strong will, they've got a lot of experience in dealing with challenge, rather than someone in their 20s who hasn't, is probably more prepared um, yeah. because of the mental challenges that happen. Um, yeah, I'd say, you know, we obviously we, 
uh, when we're when we're young and we're we're trying to prove ourselves, you know, naturally we get quite competitive. Uh, not to say mature people don't, but you can tr- you can go faster when you're younger because you've got more energy and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the best, I'm the best. But in essence or altitude, that's not what you want. You want to go slow and steady um, and enjoy it. And sometimes, um, you know, that can happen when it comes to age. Yeah, I think um, I remember speaking to a marathon runner that I used to know called Phil. Yeah. And he was 44 when I knew him and he'd be slightly older than me. And uh, <laughs> I was asking him, like, you know, do you reckon you'll ever go for, like, some speed runs, get some PBs yeah, yeah. and stuff. I remember him saying to me, like, you know, I'm getting to that age now where actually naturally I see people slow down as they get older, but he's becoming a better distance runner. Yeah. And I think trekking is sort of in that realm where, you know, the the speed that you... I think our customers turned up. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Before they come in and join the life. So, yeah, I think, <laughs> um, yeah, like you do get... Uh, as you get older, perhaps, you're less inclined to be the fastest to the top. Yes. You're more inclined to just get to the top in your own pace. And maybe that subtle change does help people at altitude because yeah. if you're going slower, if you're taking your time, if you're there more for the experience than, than you know, a PB... Yeah, exactly. As a result, you'll yeah. go slower, you'll acclimatize better, and yeah. you won't suffer as some, you know, we've known um, ultra triathletes, you know, that have yeah. got to be the first to the top. I mean, I this, I seriously do admire people like this because... He's a great guy as well. Yeah. I know the person you're talking about. But, um, <laughs> but went a little bit too fast yeah. in the first two to three days. And he admits, doesn't he? You know, he, yeah. at the end, he was like, I should have gone to the back and... That's okay. That's part of the learning. Having said that, I heard he ran to the summit of Killy from Stella Point. He did. I so, know. you know, <laughs> for those people like... Fair dues to You it. know, with those... Yeah, it's brilliant. i, I got to be honest, a little, I wouldn't part, do that. a little part of me, you know, if, if someone says to me, Dave, is it a good idea to run to EBC? I'd say absolutely not. But then if a triathlete comes to me and he's like, Dave, what if I run to EBC? I can't turn that guy down for yeah. a challenge. You know, I mean, part of me loves that sort of mindset. Yeah. But equally, if we're talking about trekkers, if we're talking about you guys and us... It's probably best to go slow, take your time, be there just as much for the experience and the joy of it as opposed to a PB and yeah. the challenge, and you'll 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 be successful. Exactly. Um, I would cover we've what we got about fifty. So we only got questions. a few more, but we'll, we'll we'll try and speed these up. I know we've been uh, giving some long answers, but we hope we're trying to do it justice. Just while Anthony's on here, I think um, uh, Jody has put our email address there, Anthony. Just about if you want to bring your um, trek forward to March for your birthday, I'm sure there's always something we can do regarding squeezing people in if it needs to happen um Anthony, especially if it's just yourself mate um yeah what a great great time to or great place to celebrate your birthday yeah um yeah and, and as uh, jody said there just drop us an email we can we can sort that out for you just going to throw out there as well just before we go on um because uh earlier today yesterday evening um depending when we switched it on i know we got a team that does that um you would have seen on social media that we've done uh, we launched a new competition so um, we're doing another competition for two people to win um, uh, a free trip, obviously excluding fights, flights, and, and all the all, all fights. fights. You're not allowed to fight over it. Uh, well. ex- ex- excluding f- uh, flights. <laughs> you got me. You got me <laughs> about that. Bloody hell. Um, obviously, with the trip, then yeah, uh, get yourself entered. We'll put the link in here, um, just so you can get yourself entered, uh, and obviously we'll uh, open to the Evertracker community. Um, and we'll be doing the announcement on the twenty. 1st of February, I believe, Tuesday, tune in. I'm just going to double check, 21st of, of uh, February, um, so definitely uh, tune in for that one in a few weeks, but get yourself entered, it's always great, we always have a lot of good energy around the competitions um, we've done over the last kind of five, six years, um, and yeah, we love 
given two people an opportunity to go and do these trips uh, for free, uh, which is quite cool. Uh, we always love to hear about those journeys. We've, I think we got some. Uh, I wonder if we got anyone on here that's actually won a trip. I'm just trying to see who's Bly, on the Bly's got his winners. Bly has. Um, he's been second so many times. He's going to have to blow the dust off that thing again, <laughs> isn't he? And try and um, do it. Um, right. Just to go through these questions, there. Should, how, we, should, should we smash them? How do you deal with your asthma? Hi, us to Susan. Susan, I think I talked about it at the beginning of the live. Um, asthma doesn't necessarily stop you from high altitudes. As long as you can manage it at sea level, sure, you can manage it. That's what am I? My pump. Sorry, mate. I'm, I'm good. Um, yeah, as long as you can manage it at sea level and manage it when you're doing physical exercise, it's the same uh, high altitude. Um, so definitely, yeah. And I, I highly recommend as well, if you go to previous lives, um, there was a live, I think, called Take Your Breath Away. Take My Breath Away. But anyway, it was all about asthma. It did a whole live just about asthma. Have a look, a little look at that. I wrote an article on the Knowledge Center on the website as well about asthmatics at altitude. Um, give it if there's a little search bar, just give it type in asthma there, and it'll come up with all the articles I've discussed asthma. Just so we can, you know, maybe give you a little bit of confidence before before going. Uh, Dave, Mark Drummond has asked an interesting question. How much diamonds do you recommend taking to EBC plus six days a meter peak? I'll be honest, Diamox. Uh, yeah, probably Diamox. Yeah. Um, I'll answer them both anyway. I, you don't really need any diamonds unless you're bringing um, a potential fiance uh, with you, and in which case I would suggest one. And I hear it's three months' wages you should save up for the race. Um, Diamox, Dave. Well, okay, but with regards to Diamox, <laughs> so there's no there's no kind of set limit to be honest with you. You don't have to take any. Yeah. Um, uh, what we recommend is start the trek, um, and if you start to feel some of those symptoms that require you to take Diamox. Yeah. So we're thinking like sleep disturbances, loss of appetite, um, if you start getting headaches or feeling a bit nauseous. Yeah. We normally recommend starting with half a pill in the morning, half a pill in the evening. Yeah. Um, and then upping that to a full pill in the morning and a full pill in the evening should you, um, you know, not see any improvements. Yeah. That is usually more than enough for absolutely anybody. Um yeah, to start to start to see the benefit. Nice. What's the next one? Um, the so next one. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> is there any correlation between breathing slash altitude and age? This is from Jerome. Okay, we just we just cracked that yeah, one. Done that one. Dan Saxon, hi team. At what altitude should you expect to use oxygen? Good so question. you're not going to be required to take any oxygen on any of our trips. Um, you're probably looking at around you know as you're approaching eight thousand meters, so between seven and eight thousand meters. Um, so you're talking on, you know, pretty much only exclusively 8,000 meter peaks yep. where you're going to start taking oxygen. Each team um, and each company and guide all have like different philosophies. Yep. Some will start you on a high flow rate earlier. Um, some start you on a lower flow rate a bit later. It yep. all depends on how you acclimatize. But generally between seven and 8,000 meters is when you're going to start. Our highest trek is Aconcagua, which is just shy of 7,000 and doesn't require uh, supplemental oxygen. So yeah, only worry about that if you have aspirations to climb an 8,000 meter peak. If you do, awesome. Yeah. Um, some good questions though. You talk about breathing and altitude. My question is, what other symptoms could you get from being that high? Dave, can you answer that one? Just want to find this Yeah, mate, yeah, crack on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so who's, who's, who asked uh, that That one? was Jason, Jason Townsend. Jason Townsend, you're talking about hey, uh, what, uh, what other symptoms could you get from being that high? So when you're at high altitude, there's a number of different things that you're gonna, everybody is gonna start to feel. One of those is shortness of breath. Yeah. So that's the breathing, that's the, when you're sleeping, you might have that waking up like that. Yeah. Now, if you're asking sort of what are the symptoms of altitude sickness? 
So generally speaking, it's it's a collection of symptoms that uh, we put together. Yeah. One of those is you'll almost certainly suffer headaches, um, nausea, loss of appetite, lo- lack of energy. Yeah. Um, that's generally, you know, even at that level, one or two of those things can be treatable and we can kind of keep you going. Yeah. Um, if those things start to get worse and worse and worse and you get to a point where you're starting to get um, AMS or acute mountain sickness, yeah. that's sort of like you're bedridden. It feels like you've got the flu. You can't really do anything. Um, yeah, those are sort of the main cluster of things that you can expect to experience. There are other things that you most people experience that are yeah. completely normal. A little bit of headache behind the eyes. It's normally due to the pressure difference or something like that. Also, a little bit of a headache if you go high. You know, we go high and climb high, sleep low. Yeah. On those climb high days, you might get a bit of a headache. You might feel a bit woozy. And then you go down and you have a good night's sleep and some water, and then you wake up and you feel okay. So, yeah, all of those things are kind of perfectly normal to experience at altitude. Yeah, just read um, uh, Samantha Roy as well. Lady on my EBC trip was asthmatic. She trained lots, coped brilliantly. And then uh, I just, just finished it off, and she managed karaoke and numb shade. See, nothing wrong with asthmatic, can't sing. Absolutely. Um, some really good questions. Diane, actually, I think she's posted a couple of times. And Diane, yeah, sorry, mate. We're just coming through these questions. Yep. Uh, do an island peak without uh, EBC. Is there definitely still plenty of acclimatization? Yes. So all of our trips, Diane, are built with acclimatization. Um, there's enough. Uh, we, we, we wouldn't want any of our trips. And that includes, you know, Annapurna region, um, any trip that you go on. I mean, there's sometimes where you're limited with the landscape. Um, you know, and we try and you know do our best with regards to managing that. Um, you know, we, we obviously don't get it right all the time, but we know with with island peak trips that we've done before, um, the altitude profile is really good for that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, Chris Collins, I've got Everest Base Camp in May, and you've got th- uh, you're a long distance runner. You've got three marathon. This is going to be about fitness. I'm going yeah, to be so annoyed. You're going to be fine. I'm going to be furious. That's more than I'd say 95. percent Let's finish the question. You might not be asking me about fitness because if he is, I'm going to be seriously annoyed. Um, uh, but <laughs> Maybe I've done enough hiking training. Should yeah. I do more? Okay, it's not strictly about fitness. You're all right, Chris. Um, yeah, you'll be fine, mate. Um, really, you know, you can walk. We've all, yeah. you know, we're all pretty decent walkers. Um, that's all you're required to do. The only small addition I would make is perhaps do some walking with like a pack on your back and things like that. Yeah. But marathon runners and long, they tend to have really good core. Talk to Bry. Um, Bry's done, you know, tons of marathons and running. And I, I even heard that he substituted for Santa uh, last year. Well, yeah, because I think yeah. he's done like 17,000 marathons now. Yeah, exactly. Few, yeah. I mean, dressed up as Santa. He dressed, I think, yeah, Santa's sled was um, was actually grounded this year due to some sort of aviation issue. Um, but yeah, well, another strike. Yeah, yeah you'll yeah. be absolutely fine, mate. Honestly, that fitness that if you can run a marathon, you are plenty fit enough and you shouldn't have any details whatsoever. Uh, details, yeah. difficulties. <laughs> no, brilliant. No, honestly, it's, it's true. Any, any time that, you know, because marathon running is great, but just walking, just getting out there, pack on your back, walking, it's, you yeah. know, we'll, we'll do just fine. Because that's what you'll be doing. You're not going to do any running, but it will. Obviously, your body's going to be in a good place. And then, like Dave said, just slow, steady, enjoy yourself, um, and you will have an awesome time. Um, Jackie Bentley, hi. How long does the um, response from the Altitude Center retraining plan normally take? Submit two, three weeks ago. Yeah, sometimes, Jackie, it depends on when you're going to go. Because I think what they do is they don't want to, because they've got kind of an idea in terms of the distance before you go, um, is that they will um, kind of get in touch with you nearer to your trip. Um, speaking to the guys there uh, over the last kind of 12 months, we know that they 
once you submit it, it's not quite quick. It can be sometimes if, if you go in quite soon, uh, but then they'll send you the, 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 the plan basically um, for yourself. So yeah, they will get in touch with you. Um, I'm sure as well, if, if any, any urgent stuff, just drop them a little email. Um, just say, hey, how's it going? You know, just waiting for, uh, looking forward to my trip. Um, filled in my form. Uh, any idea when I'm going to get my plan? Um, I just just get in touch with them um, directly, mate, and uh, definitely see what they, they come back with. Yeah. Awesome. Um, um, uh, my charity summited Mount Snowden three times in one day in June for cancer research. Does that stand me strong. in good stead for getting strong. to BBC? Yes. Um, Lorna Howard, uh, Diamox, do you take it for the whole trip or just when you need it? So the rule is that you don't have to take it, but once you do start taking it, you should then stay on it for the rest of the trip, or at least until you're back at the same altitude where you started taking it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I would say, so for an example, we start the trip, um, I get to Namshi, I start feeling unwell, I start taking Diamox, I should take it then until at least I get back to Namshi. Um, yeah, don't, it, what'll happen is if you start taking Diamox, you feel better yeah and you're still on your way up and then you stop taking it you'll lose any of the benefit that you've had in that you'll it's it's like it's similar to sort of imagine like starting on oxygen getting to the top and going oh, i feel okay now and taking your oxygen away yeah you yeah, all of a sudden true. your climatization is going to take a big dip so yeah. yeah very important that once you start taking it you keep taking it until you no longer need to which is the end of the trip or the same altitude yeah. you started on definitely um yeah very important with dimox it's, it's a great tool though and that's what we use it as a tool um, you know, like with headaches, obviously, you know, people who take headache pills, treat headaches, similar, uh, Diamox, you know, back in the beginning, I think I used to be opposed to it until I actually learned, um, you know, over the last several years, how powerful it can be and literally hundreds and hundreds of ever trackers. I've taken it, um, yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I took it one night in Gorokshev and it can make a hell of a difference. I've seen people just completely turn around and be the strongest from being the, the, the kind of people are struggling. And yeah, so it could definitely be a good tool. Um, Mark Walker, how difficult is the Island Peak trek? Um, so Island Peak, yeah, is it's over six thousand meters, uh, six one eight six meters above sea level. So yeah, definitely uh, a challenge. Any time you go high 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 altitude, it's a challenge. Um, certainly, it's not a technical peak, although it's about 100, 120 meter section where you're on fixed ropes. Um, the rest of it, you know, you want experience really uh, using crampons, using an ice axe. Any time that you can spend on on ice and snow will help you. Um, but certainly, we've had people who've turned up. Hey, I want to go Island Peak. They booked Island Peak. They did Island Peak, even though they didn't have all the experience. Because you, you can you can kind of it's like learning on the job if you like. You know, it's kind of learning on the trek. Um, you know, obviously the trekking part of it is you know 80% of the trip, and then you've got a few days then on the mountain. Um, but yeah, certainly. I mean, we always do suggest that if you've been to a high altitude before, it helps a lot because you know what it takes to, to manage your body at high altitude. But um, yeah, in terms of difficulty level, we'd certainly say that it's kind of, if we had a gauge, kind of like, you know, a three, a four level gauge, it'd probably be a three, um, we would say in terms of difficulty level um, regarding the direct. We've got one called Ultima Island Peak, which involves Everest Base Camp and two high passes. That would be probably the hardest route that we do, but better for acclimatization. You've got the time, it's one of the best journeys in, in the Everest region, you could you could have. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, one from Mark Drummond. Does Mark being Drummond, yeah. diabetic affect altitude or insurance? So, with regards to the altitude, <clears throat> I think as long as you know how to manage your diabetes, yeah. um, there's no reason why it should contribute any more or less 
um, to you getting uh, any altitude sickness or anything. Um, potentially, obviously, if you start to neglect your diet or um, if you haven't taken any supplements or medications that you need to, it'll absolutely, you know, as soon as your body starts to, you know, start to struggle with anything, it could be yeah. diabetes, you could have picked up a virus or a cold, acclimatization becomes more difficult. So really do some research into how you need to look after it at altitude and bring any food, snacks or medications you need to keep that going. Yeah. Um, insurance, almost certainly it'll affect your insurance. Yeah. Um, it's always important to declare every single sort of medical condition you have if you're asked, um, because even if your claim isn't related to it, it can still invalidate the yeah, policy. You don't want to risk it, do you? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've noticed that since my I had insurance with True Traveller on my last trip, and it went up, I think eight pounds. Yeah. Because of the, I had to declare that I had an operation. Nice. Um, so yeah, eight pound. So. Brilliant. Um, although Mark's more important question is: there still is the Rasta Bar still in Namche? Actually, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I've never been to the Rasta Bar. When did you go there, Mark? Um, all the times I've been there, there there was an old there was a Rasta Bar down in in Fatting that I went to the first time there for a couple of beers um, before you know uh, before the trip. I know, I know. On the way down now, uh, we we changed that. But yeah, was that um, was that in Namche? I, I don't know what that was. Yeah next time we'll have a little look um yeah well that's all the questions i know there was a couple of 2016 yeah that was the same year i i was there as well interesting mark rasta bar in Namche. i was here in 2016 where's the rasta bar i'm just trying to wrap my brain i will have a look i know this is clearly the most important um important question on the on the line yeah, mark. welcome um, to tuesday tuning guys and we're going to talk today about the bars <laughs> of the Himalaya. <laughs> you know what that'd be a pretty good life <laughs> um near the irish pub Nope, still I think it is. Now it's ringing a bell. I think I got a picture of it somewhere. Really? On my first trip with Billy. Maybe I just didn't didn't kind of click that it was. It was yeah, a, because you go straight to the Irish bar. That's probably true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, great stuff. But now there's some uh, some good sort of comments as well. Andy Hawkins, um, used the altitude center hypoxic equipment. Followed a four week plan last November for a quick ascent in the Andes. It worked perfectly. Great stuff. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, there's a lot of science, a lot of science behind it. And you know, we know we, we hear a lot of um, the kind of high end operators on Everest. Um, you know, talking 150k, 200k above, they use hypoxic training before they climb Everest, and they're only there for two weeks. Yeah, um, this definitely works, and you know, definitely the the, the science of using that 100% works. Um, we always, you know, all of our kind of advice comes from, you know, if, if you can't have that equipment and you can only acclimatize on the trip, there are you know numerous things that you can do to to help. Yeah, but yeah, certainly, I mean. Um, I'm going to experiment with those over the next few years because I'll be climbing them um, uh, quite a lot of peaks and I'm going to be using some of the altitude center equipment as well just to kind of so I can come back and um, let everyone know how, how we got on with that as well. Yeah. Um, but right, right, it's been it's been a great live actually. It's flown by some hour already. Bloody hell. Breathtaking, mate. Absolutely <laughs> breathtaking. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, just to kind of summarize then, Dave, mm. obviously we're talking about, you know, breathing, difficulties at high altitude. Um you know, there's obviously a lot that goes into it. I hope, you know, we've covered some of the, the kind of key bits, you know, around, um, you know, if you have got issues, um, you obviously there's ways to manage them, but if you can manage certain things around, uh, at sea level, you can manage them at altitude. Um, certainly if it comes to asthmatics, um, anyone with, with these, you know, lung issues. Um, any final words, Dave, from you regarding everything we talked about? Um, 
Stefan Olsen has asked a good question, actually. It's called mm. my opinion. So I think I'll finish with that one. Yeah, K2 Basecamp. The reason yeah. why it hasn't been sort of at the forefront is because we launched it kind of during COVID. Mm. Um, and we haven't really had that first wave of Evertrackers actually go in there as of yet. But July, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's July. July. So yeah. we'll probably do a big, um, a big live about K2 Basecamp. Yeah, um, yeah as, soon, as soon as we've got the, um, you know, we've got some uh, test pilots going out there and stuff like that. <laughs> we've got a lot of content of it, yes. And running it, so but not it. absolutely epic trip. It's on my bucket list. It was one that I really, really wanted to. Uh, well, take my sister's on. booked on. She's going in August next year, so I'll yeah. probably be heading out before then. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, yeah, it's Stefan. When it comes to obviously all the trips that we do, um, yeah, any questions around it, do ask. Uh, we do when it comes to obviously uh, specific trips uh it's sometimes a lot easier um that we've done most of them but not all of them that's one of our that's one of our new newer trips that we do yeah uh, how high is it samantha it's 5100 meters base camp um so a little bit less than uh, everest base camp but it's actually harder to get to and camping a lot of the way yeah it's a, a little bit more rugged. remote and um yeah traveling through pakistan is, is like a it's like an adventure all on its own but um but yeah back to the um to yeah. this i mean obviously you know we're this is what we do when it comes to high altitude trekking. The, yeah. And I think that I'm a big believer, as I said at the start, that knowledge dispels fear. So if you are afraid of the consequences of trekking at high altitude, the best thing that you can do is kind of educate yourself on what those consequences are, because there's always ways that you can mitigate them and manage them and stay healthy and happy and be successful in the yeah. Himalayas um, or any high peak you go to. So I think, yeah. If you have any questions and you want to know anything about it at all, just get in touch with myself and the team. We'll, we'll happy, happy to go through it. Right. Have I won yet? Well, Brian, right now, the 21st of February. Yeah. Um, right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hope it's been useful today. Um, talking about, uh, you know, high altitude and into very thin air. Hope you've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week. But any questions at all, do direct them to the team. Yeah. Um, obviously, via the, the messenger on the website, via Facebook. Um, but have an awesome week wherever you're up to and we'll see you next week awesome take it easy bye awesome so i hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the mount malarkey podcast i must say you were brilliant on that episode and <laughs> <laughs> thanks mate thanks now if, uh, if you've enjoyed it don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast um you know all these uh, podcasts we put together the episodes trying to reach as many people as possible and if it's helped you leave us a lovely review um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye.